Greetings and welcome to Union Street Hoops. I'm your host, Paul Oren, at NWIOren on Twitter. You can catch Union Street Hoops on NWI.com, iTunes, and SoundCloud. And I'm joined by a special guest today, second time on the podcast, but first time in the in the booth, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, thanks for having me, Paul. It's Robbie. Robbie Weinstein of the <laughs> Northwest Indiana Times. Happy to have you here. And, uh, you know, this is going to be a fun episode, I think. And I ask you yes. to come in and, and because... I, I tweeted out yesterday that I was going to go scorched earth, and there's been then there's been some buzz on uh, on Twitter. People responding back to me, the Valpo message board, people saying, "Who's he going to go after? The fans, or the coaches, <laughs> or the players?" And and really, I just it, I don't really know this one group. It's a concept that I want to go scorched earth on, and I want to hold off on that for a little bit. We want to sure. talk about the the last two Valpo games, which which you know, if you're a Valpo fan. You're, it's just like routinely banging your head against the wall. Yes, Valpo yes. couldn't score more than 50 points for like a month, and now they're dropping 80, and they still can't win. It's, uh, it's, it's interesting. So we're going to take a look at these last two games, and then we'll take a look at some Arch Madness seeding probabilities, and then, uh, and then we're going to get into an interesting topic here. So let's look at this Indiana State game. Valpo, uh, this was a must-win, I thought. For it Valpo, was, yeah. Right? And, you know, I had said on the last podcast that I thought Valpo could go 6-0 and in their last six games. I really did. Yeah. They beat Illinois State. They played really, really good against Loyola. Mm-hmm. Up nine with seven and a half minutes to go. Looked like that game was in hand. And then I thought it was Loyola who made a lot of good plays. Yeah. Valpo just, you know, they're kind of... They're not there yet. They're not Loyola. They don't have Marcus Towns on their team. They don't have Clayton Custer on their team. They don't have Cameron Crutwig on their team. But they can beat Indiana State, right? You would you would think so. I mean, uh, Indiana State came into the game five and eight in the league, and so uh, at that point, Valpo was six and seven. It was really important to get back to five hundred before going to Drake, with how well Drake is playing. And, and the first half was just was pretty poor. I mean, to be down by ten midway, you know, just uh, you know, two thirds of the way through the first half, yeah. and and just and nothing kind of really went right for. I mean, Javon Freeman Liberty, as good as he's been recently. Mm-hmm was was kind of awful yeah i I think like four turnovers and or three turnovers at least in the first five minutes and just never got going in this game four points uh one of five from the field and loddick said after the game that it was just i guess an off game for him but that that was the most surprising thing to me is because exactly like you know you talked on the last pod about how well he played against illinois state and it was the best the first half was like the best uh, half from a freshman that anybody had seen basically uh, at Valpo. I mean, it, th- th- that's not what I expected out of this game to I, see Javon play that poorly. I looked for him to change his shoes at one point because I just <laughs> thought he was like on roller skates while he was out there. And it was just uncharacteristic play after play after play. Derek Smith's had a good first half. But actually, the story of this game, really, to be honest, and, and, and we're three and a half minutes into the podcast, we haven't even mentioned the return of Ryan Fazekas. Yeah. I thought Loddick said something interesting after the game. He said, I put him in the starting lineup right off the bat because he wanted to, you know, you get that ankle warmed up during during practice. And we'll get into Ryan in a little bit about, you know, the severity of the injury. We finally had a chance to talk to Ryan uh, earlier this week. But um, I thought he came out and I thought he, I mean, knocked on a three-pointer really early. He did, yeah. Off a bad pass, too. A really bad pass. That was like a, a Aaron Rodgers 2018 <laughs> gopher ball that Saki threw Fazekas, I think, and and I think part of it is, is you know, you've got to, you got to get in the flow of knowing where to hit the guy in passing. And it, it mm-hmm. actually led me to believe, how much has Saki and Fazekas really played a lot together? Because Fazekas was a starter, right. Saki was on the second unit for much of the the non-conference, and now to think that they're back in there together. You yeah, know, I think they only started like maybe four games together, and one of those was Purdue Fort Wayne's or, or Purdue Fort Wayne, uh, Purdue Northwest. So I mean, I. Does that even count? No, no. Uh, so Valpo comes back in the second half, and they, you know, they start chipping away at this, and they're only down three, and and at the half they start chipping away, and 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 you know it's it's a tight ball game for a little bit there, and then Valpo really starts to to assert themselves, and I thought a player that uh, that has been really kind of interesting, Malik McMillan comes in, knocks down a three pointer. Yep. And, uh, you know, two minutes into the game, I think knocks down a three pointer, gives them a five point lead with 12 and a half minutes left to go. And, uh, what, I mean, Malik is, is somebody, you know, he, he gets a rebound on the next possession and then promptly turns the ball over. He's a, like a, you love him, you hate yeah. him, right? 
Yeah, I mean, and so uh, when we were talking to Matt Lodick yesterday, he said he wants more stats. So I'll I'll uh, bring a stat out here. I mean, Malik for you know the all the ability that he gives as a shooter. Yeah, he has no block shots this year against Division One opponents. That's that's interesting. You know, <laughs> this is it's funny. You're right because yesterday in the uh, in in our meeting with Matt Lodick, which is really kind of primed wanting me to have you in here and and this idea of scorched earth was, you know, he just he just he said like numbers. He's like he said, guys, you got to look at numbers. There's a lot of numbers. <laughs> And I was kind of like, what numbers is he talking about? Well, there are numbers that tell you a little bit of everything. And, and uh, you know, I M- McMillan is one of those guys that you'd love if those 30 seconds of flashes of brilliance he put out there right. were the sustainable for the entire game. Mm-hmm. And, but, you know, and, and, you know, he knocked down another three-pointer with nine 945 left to go to give him another five-point lead. And, you know, Valpo kind of had this five-point lead going for a while. They did, yeah. And But, God, the missed free throws. Five straight, I believe. And, uh, you know, uh, also the 21 turnovers, which are a season high. So, I, I, I honestly, in the first half, I thought that Valpo would get back into it. I think Indiana State had been shooting really well from three, and Valpo couldn't, couldn't like, just couldn't get anything going offensively. And I thought they would look a little bit better in the second half. You know, Fazekas has a half under his belt. And, and maybe things would look more fluid. And they did, but uh, I, I'm not even sure. I guess it was just the free throws. I, 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 I'm I still not entirely sure. Like they, A lot of things had to go wrong for them to lose this yeah, game. Yeah, I mean, Valpo's up three with 428 left after Smith's made two free throws. Jordan Barnes misses a shot. Rebound to off, offensive rebound. Christian Williams misses. Rebound by Bronson Kessinger. And, and, they, and, and Saki finally gets a steal, and he gets fouled. So you yep. think this is good? They're up three. Got a chance. He misses both free throws, and so now you know you get the ball back after Cooper Nice makes a couple free throws, and that kid played really well down the stretch. He did. Smiths gets fouled, misses both free throws. Saki turns it over, gets the ball back. Bakari Evelyn misses a free throw. I mean, Bakari. That was the front end of a one and one too, right? Yeah. No, no, he no. It was he split a pair. He split a pair. So now it's uh, it's it's tied, you know, under a minute to go, and Fazekas makes two free throws, and you think, oh, okay, this is, you know. Right. And then Tyreek Key, who is maybe the best player in the league at drawing contact and really selling, getting fouled, he makes a couple free throws. And even then, Valpo's got a chance. And Bakari Evelyn, who has not really hit a shot all year, you know, a big a big shot. Right. He's the guy that he just dribbles and dribbles and dribbles and shoots. And, I, I you know, I'm not – I always wonder at the end of the at the end of the game who gets the shot, and I mean, is should he have been the one taking that shot? Uh, you know, I I would have liked since it was tied. I don't usually like going for a three when you're tied, uh, especially with how many free throws were shot in this game. Forty for Valpo, twenty eight for Indiana State. You don't even need to draw a shooting foul to get to the line, and you know, with with, with how much a lot of times college refs love to love to call those fouls. Maybe not as much at the end of the game, but I probably in general favor uh, trying to drive and, and draw I, contact. I would have given the ball to Freeman Liberty yeah. and said, put your head down and get He only the needs basket. to make one. Yeah. So even though he's not a good free throw shooter, it's not like you need him to make both. And I trust him to be able to get to in, get into the lane and get to the basket, right? Yeah. You know, or, or you know, and I'm sure I, I'd have to go back and look at the play again. I'm sure they did everything to uh, to to cut off Smith's inside. Yeah. You know, I imagine yeah. that he would. But, you know, and Saki wasn't even in the game at this point. It, I think it was Fizikas, Smits, Bakari, Javon Freeman, and uh, and I don't remember who else. Maybe it was – I don't think Golder was on the floor at this point either. I don't remember. I don't think so. But, but yeah. to me and – so, and then and then Bakari misses the shot, and the rebound goes right out to Freeman, who we forget everything about his bad start to the game if he knocks down that, that shot yeah. to win. And yeah. a nice corner shot. It went up. And uh, and and I thought it was thought it was a good opportunity, good look, and then in, in overtime, Valpo gets to overtime again and loses again, and uh, you know it's just it, it more missed free throws. Saki missed one, and uh, you know you get just a couple other. Just you couldn't stop Tyreek Key. He got thirty-two. Dion Lavender yeah. missed another free throw. It's brutal. I think one of the most disappointing things about the end of this game also is Jordan Barnes. Jordan Barnes fouled out with three fifty-seven left yeah. in regulation for Indiana State, and so uh, at that point Valpo had a sixty-eight-sixty-five uh, lead. So I think not being able to close it out with one of Indiana State's best players and best perimeter playmakers on the floor, uh, it's just kind of like 
you know, with the fourth straight home loss, something something different goes wrong every time it seems like and and uh this this was a really tough one i think for and them. let's let's talk about the four straight home losses because there was a moment in the press conference that has been kind of dissected <laughs> and critiqued a lot you asked matt loddick um after the game i was not in the press conference i had to run right away and uh and you asked him afterward you said uh coach you've had four straight home losses or whatever matt you've had four straight home losses and he kind of like grunted and like leaned back or whatever. Yeah. I think there's a lot of people who think that might have been in reaction to you. And I, I, I didn't think that. What, what were your takes on this? I don't, I don't think that's what it was. I mean, I noticed it in real time, but I wasn't, you know, Aaron Levitt, the SID, I think gave us that stat right before. I mean, it's not, you know, there's nothing wrong with the stat. I wasn't asking Lodic the question either. I was asking Dion Lavender. I think he just, that's right. You were asking. Yeah. Dion yeah. I, I think he just, um, didn't realize that until, uh, right when I mentioned it and, and probably, yeah, if I were in his position, they they dropped to what six and seven in the MVC after this loss, and if they win even just two of those home games, and you know the Missouri State game was also there to be won, then they're looking at potentially eight and five instead. Uh, I would be mad if I were him too. I don't think he was reacting to uh, uh, to me. I think just to the stat. Yeah, and it's you know, it's so interesting the perspective that coaches and players have versus the perspective I think fans have, and really even the perspective that media have, right? right? So when the schedule comes out at the beginning of the year, this is just an example of like perspective versus what they, what the players and coaches have. When the schedule comes out at the beginning of the year, I memorize it, you know, because it affects my life. Where am I Mm -hmm. traveling? What, you know, what days am I going to be away from spending time with, you know, you know, my girlfriend or just life in general? I'm locked into that. And so, I mean, if you were to ask me Valpo's schedule, I, I would be able to rattle it off. And right. I don't know that players or, or coaches are locked into that. Yeah, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, I was trying to figure out how to phrase the question because I just needed a quote about the you know, losing four straight home games. Uh, you can't really ask, what do you need to do better at home? Because they're going to play the same way or at least have the same way that they want to attack the game every time. It's just you don't play well. Like I guess they just haven't been playing well at home. I think it's random probably. So, I mean, yeah. that's the thing is I really don't think – I don't think Matt Lodick – you know, I maybe if he, I don't think in that moment he had really thought about the four game losing streak yeah, because it, it doesn't. What's he gonna do? I mean, you just you you don't game plan differently for a road game versus a home game. I don't think because you know some of those home losses, the Drake and Missouri State, they came and then you know they go to Illinois State and they play the game of the right. Of, you know, right, so yeah. And my my point in talking about perspective and all of that is. You know, I, I asked, you know, I asked a Valpo player, um, no, he's a Loyola player after the Loyola game. I, I think I said to Marcus Towns, I'm like, oh, who do you, who do you guys play next? And he's like, I, I'm not, I don't even know. Yeah. And I just thought that was because they don't really think that way. So it, it going back to the Lodic thing with his reaction, again, I, I don't think he really realized that they lost four straight home games because they think of each game on its own little island. And I think fans and media, I mean, us definitely. Yeah, sure. We look for these trends and we look for mm-hmm. storylines. And, and, you know, I, I, I read something the other day about how Bradley just beat Illinois State and it was like an 11-year losing streak that they had. Mm-hmm. And so we look at this giant perspective. You know, Bradley's never been able to win there. Well, the players that play at Bradley have not lost 11 straight at Illinois State. Right. You know, Wardle has not lost 11 straight at Illinois State. So I just think that the line of thinking that we have, and really in fans too, and you know, fans and media kind of grouped in, we look at the bigger picture, whereas these players are just so insular. And I know a lot of times we say to Lodic, you know, hey, you're in first place, or hey, you're in third place. What do you think about the standings? And he looks at us like we've just crawled out of a wall <laughs> because they just don't think that way. No, I don't, I don't think so. Maybe, maybe, maybe the last game or two of the regular season, if you're really fighting for position. But I, I totally agree. I don't think that I don't think they care for yeah. for ninety percent of the season. And 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 in fans in media, we care all the time. Yeah, you know, all the time we care, and we're gonna get we'll get more into this in, in a little bit. But I just thought that was a unique moment. Um, you know, and again, Valpo's got four games left, and I look at Southern Illinois, you and I, Bradley, and Evansville, and I think if we were to say to 
Lodic, what do you need to do against these types of opponents? I think he'd only be looking at Southern Illinois, and the yeah, players are so. the players don't care about going at Bradley in a couple of games. They care about Southern Illinois. Whereas I'm starting to look at every simulation permutation mm-hmm, yeah. of what these next four games could mean. So then we talk about Drake. Valpo goes on the road to Drake, and Drake is an interesting team because I just I for most of the year I really wasn't buying what they were selling, mm-hmm. especially when Nick Norton got hurt. Yet they're twenty and seven. They're nine and five in the league, and I mean whatever they got going there is working. Brady Ellenson is is, is shooting the ball great. He had four yep. three pointers against Valpo. Nick McGlynn is just a hard working lunch pail guy that uh, sixteen points, nine rebounds, and then you know these region guys Wilkins and then uh, the two Murphy guys. They're just they're going to get fired up to play Valpo. Then the unique part is you get a guy like Liam Robbins, who I'm not even sure that Drake fans knew who he was before. <laughs> you know, 9.6 boards in 10 minutes, and it's just an excellent, excellent game from him. And, uh, and another one where Valpo came out and turned the ball over five times in the first, like, six or seven possessions and just really, you know, really, really struggled in that game. Yeah, the, the turnovers were an issue. Uh, shooting three for 12 from three on the road is, is not going to help. And I think, you know, the one thing that you can look at Valpo and say they did well is that they had 16 offensive rebounds. That's that's great. But it's difficult when you're, you know, down 23 to 11, 10 minutes into the game and, and uh, really playing from behind for the entirety of the game uh, on the road against a team that's very, very confident, has a lot of good vibes going on in their program. And I, you know, is also a, a, one of the better offensive teams in the league. I think the game, I mean, I wouldn't say the game was completely lost in the first, like, 5, 10, 15 minutes, but at that point, you just dig yourself such a big hole, and with how inconsistent Valpo is offensively on a, and I mean, even defensively recently on a possession-by-possession possession basis, it's just, it's that's a difficult, you know, they, they, they haven't put, to, aside from the Illinois State game, they haven't put together long stretches of, like, just great basketball where they blow the other team away, you know? And I think when you're down 23-11, if you're a good team, you can overcome that. Sure, Like, yeah. Loyola was down 9 but when you're down 23-11 and you've lost six of seven games, yeah, I mean it's discouraging. It's it's tough. It's 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 uh, it's a tough one. And and so neither one of us were at the Drake game. Neither one of us saw the Drake game. Um, you know, I listened to the second half of it, but it was uh, it's difficult to really kind of pick apart the game. Uh, I liked Javon Freeman Liberty with five steals in the game. He's inching closer to the setting the single season record for steals. Uh, yeah. in in program history. Uh, is very very close there. Uh, one of the alarming things here was uh, was was two injuries that happened. One in practice, one in the game. John Kaiser uh, twisted an ankle in practice the day before, and they were hopeful that he'd be able to play, but wasn't able to go. And Matt Loddick said it to myself after the game, and then again yesterday in uh, the media availability where he said Kaiser is a guy that when things go south at the beginning of a game, you want to put him in and just get that energy glue guy thing going Mm -hmm. and not having him I actually really thought that Malik McMillan might find more of a run there and he only got six minutes in the game and in those six minutes two fouls two fouls (laughs) one turnover and he missed a free throw and uh, you know and he made a free throw but you know it's six minutes of not much you know like instant rice it was part that was there but it really wasn't going to fill you up you know and uh, it was tough so uh, and then Daniel Sackey, 27 seconds left to go in the game. The game is lost, yeah. right? You're fighting to get back and make it respectable, maybe cover for the uh, friends in Vegas. And uh, <laughs> Sackey rolls an ankle, and he and and so now they got that to deal with. I guess, I guess you know, and it does sound like he's not going to miss time. Luckily for them, but maybe a positive from this game, if you want to take a positive, is that Ryan Fazekas had 15 points. He shot uh, six ten from the field, played 30 minutes. And Lodic said that he thinks he's moving pretty well, uh, moving maybe if not normally, but at least looking, uh, you know, he's good enough to, to score 15 points and not get completely exposed defensively. I mean, now so, Smiths and Fizikas, both with 15, uh, but they both had, they combined for eight turnovers they did. and seven yeah. fouls. So, I mean, the foul thing, I, I, I can kind of write off a little bit because, you know, you're trying to foul at the end of the game and all that. Yeah. But, but eight turnovers, that's alarming too. And, and that can be, uh, you know, and you also look at how did players go against them defensively. And Fizikas yep. obviously is uh, is 
hindered a little bit by his ankle defensively, and, and we'll kind of see how that plays out as he gets more back in the flow of the game. The other thing is that now that you're looking at uh, five games since uh, since Marcus Golder came back from injury, uh, he, you know, I, I don't know if he doesn't look himself necessarily, but then you look at the stats and... He scored 12 points in his first game back at Evansville, but then uh, eight points on uh, three of 13 shooting against Illinois State, then zero, three, and four in the last yeah, three games. Marcus so. is uh, Marcus has done a, a really good job at scoring late in games too, mm-hmm. where it's like it really looks like he's kind of had a rough game, and then he'll because just of his raw athleticism, games sure. winding down, maybe Valpo's lost. There's two minutes left, and and he just has a really good job of getting to the basket and. Yeah. And, uh, you know, again, not to say that, you know, a lot of his points are garbage points. It's not what I'm saying. It's just that, you know, that there's times when you really, you know, I wish they'd give him the ball more and just tell him to go. You know, this, yeah. I know you so much of this offense is set upon getting the ball into Smiths and you pass it around and all of that. But, but I mean, when you've got Sackey and Golder and Freeman Liberty, it's kind of unacceptable the fact that they just can't get to the rim over and yeah. over and over again, well, especially yeah. with Fazekas back now drive in kick out and but when you got to get the ball to smith so much it's kind of hard to, to run that sure yeah it's and it's been then a difficult thing to balance because Lodic said yesterday that he feels like they after they couldn't score and get out of the 50s for a while they started shifting more focus to offense and practice and now they can't play defense and now that now they don't think about defense and practice and so because so much of it, at the beginning of the conference season I thought they they kind of reasserted themselves on defense and and talked about that. And if you mm-hmm. play well defensively, the offense will come. Well, then they started stagnating on offense a bit, and now they're they're on the flip side. Uh, let's take a look at some Arch Madness seating probabilities because we take the world view, even if the players we don't. do. <laughs> um, you know, Valpo right now sits at six and eight, and according to this, so the the website mvcfans.com, which is uh, I mean. You've got the Valpo message board, which is a great, passionate fan base of Valpo fans. And you've got MVCfans.com, which is a huge conclave of, uh, of fans from all sorts of all the different schools. There's this one guy named Hacksaw. No idea who he is. But Hacksaw <laughs> puts all these, does all these Arch Madness seating probabilities, results based on 100,000 simulations for the remainder of the season. And he uses... Uh, Sagarin's predictor and, and different things. I know Ken Palm is out there, but mm. but so Valpo here has got uh, a one percent chance. And I sh- actually should say, as we sit here today, Valpo can finish anywhere one through ten. That's that's crazy. Valpo <laughs> could still win this league. Um, th- like they'd have to finish tied with I think Missouri State and Bradley I think is what Aaron Levitt might have said yeah if they finish tied with Drake or Loyola they're going to lose because they've been swept by them but they split with uh, with Missouri State and I think they would need to obviously need like a three way tie yeah Yeah. so uh, so as we stay as we sit here today Valpo can finish one through ten according to the seeding probabilities here Valpo has a zero percent chance of finishing in the first or second seed and mm-hmm. a 1% chance of finishing as a third seed. So, I mean, some really, really good things would have to go Valpo's way to finish in the top three. Now, uh, the two outlier positions right now are the fourth and the tenth seed. There's a 9% chance of Valpo to finish uh, in, in as the number four seed, and there is a 7% chance of them to drop all the way to last place. So yep. it looks like they might be able to avoid that. Now... Five through nine is kind of where Valpo is living right now. They've got an 11% chance at the five seed, a 13% chance at the six seed. And now, unfortunately for Valpo, the numbers go up. 17% at the seven, 23% for the eight, and 19% for the nine. It's looking really, really close that Valpo is going to play on Thursday night, which is not where you want to be. No, it's not. Uh, I think aside from just having to win four games instead of three, I know that the the quick turnaround is is really brutal. an issue. It's yeah, very brutal. Yeah, and, and so, oh, I just think I just think that getting the six would be such a benefit because for me personally, uh, if I were Valpo, I would w- still want to avoid Loyola. And right now, Ken Palm projects that uh, Loyola will be either the two or the three seed. It has actually Missouri State uh, getting the number one seed in the conference, and so uh, 
Well, so then I guess, you know, if you get the sixth seed, then you do end up with Loyola. Potentially, if you can win the first game, then uh, you could end up with them a little bit earlier. But so I guess you just have to weigh that versus uh, versus the quick turnaround. And, uh, you know, based on historic data, at least the quick turnaround is is, uh, the more difficult thing to deal with. Well, and even that, if you're the sixth seed, you play in that three six matchup at nine o'clock on Friday night. Yeah. And then you got to come back the next day and play and play and, that, and it's that, another quick turnaround that's yeah. the quick turnaround too so really the the ideal i mean i don't know it's it's hard you know because if you're yeah. in a four or five game and you win that then you're matched up with the number one seed and- I, I guess that would be the best if it does end up being missouri state at number one but that also seems that seems kind of unlikely that they get all the way up to five although you never know i mean with the schedule in the last four games we can talk about that also well, but. so so here's another this is a breakdown by valpo's there you know there's there's obviously uh, you've got five different results that you can have over the last four games. You yeah. Can go four and zero, zero and four, three and one, one and three, or two and two. So, Hacksaw, I just I love the fact that we're quoting, we're citing <laughs> someone named Hacksaw. Hacksaw's got it that if Valpo goes zero and four in these last four games, they're uh, they they they're going to finish probably eight, nine, or ten. You yeah. Know, in in that in that window, um, they've got a uh, and they, they've got a. Eight and a half percent chance of going zero and four, according to mm-hmm. the the study here. And if they go zero and four, or they go one and three, if they do either one of those things in the last four games, they're locked into Thursday. Yeah, one hundred percent. If they split their last four games and they've got two home, two road, mm-hmm. which that doesn't mean anything because Valpo can't win at home anymore. <laughs> but they're two. You got four games left. If they go two and two, that still puts them as probably a seven or an eight seed. Now they could go two and two, and they can get all the way up to the five seed, depending on how things shake out. But that's like a seventy percent chance of still playing on Thursday. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if they went two and two, but then the two wins happened to come against Northern Iowa and Bradley, who are also in the bottom tier of the standings. I think Evansville uh, seems Locked fairly likely that. to be to be last. So I mean, and uh, maybe, maybe right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's another uh, Indiana State. That'll be difficult in some ways because of the, the you lose the tiebreaker. But if Valpo were to win at Northern Iowa and at Bradley, I wonder, you know, I think so Bradley at seven and seven, Northern Iowa also at seven and seven, maybe that is able to knock those two teams down into that seven, eight, nine, ten range. But at the same time, you know, I don't I don't know that they're I think I think we we can both agree that two and two with both wins coming on the road and both losses coming at home is somewhat unlikely, unlikely, but that would be an interesting result. But I think you know, two and two looks looks. That's probably what I would pick. But I think three and one is possible. The so, thing is, just I, I I don't know. I and so let's look at three and one. If Valpo goes three and one in their last four games, it it looks like they're a four, five, or six. And and so if, if almost that would be pretty big. Point, if you could win three out of your last four, yeah. And nothing we've seen recently makes us believe no. that they can do this. Right? <laughs> let's let's be clear. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing we've seen in the last month makes you think that Valpo can win three out of these last four games. Uh, you know, they, can Valpo be leading with 38 minutes into each one of these games? You know, sure, with two minutes yeah, left, but... sure, but can they close out? But if Valpo can go three and one, they're, they're, they could still finish in the seven or eight seed based on things that are going on. Now, if they go four and oh, if they sweep these games, there's a 0% chance they're playing on Thursday. Okay. And I mean, they would be ten and eight in conference, yeah. and and ten. I mean, even nine wins. It has been since 2011-12 since the last time the Valley had a nine-win conference team play on Thursday night. Mm-hmm. So even if you go three and one, but this is a strange year. Chances are really, really strong. Now, there's one other thing that uh, that I want to bring up. So I told you this guy does a hundred thousand simulations. Mm-hmm. There is one simulation. This is simulation number two two nine seven. I feel like uh, I feel like I'm in Star Wars right now. There is a possibility. There are twenty games left in conference, right? There is a possibility that Missouri State, Bradley, Southern Illinois, Illinois State, Northern Iowa, Loyola, and Drake can all finish ten and eight and tied for the Missouri Valley Conference Championship. Love it, and Valpo would have <laughs> seven Valpo would title. be eight and ten, Indiana State seven and eleven, and Evansville five and thirteen. Matter of fact, that last Valpo Evansville game in the the regular season finale that doesn't even have to happen for this to occur, right? Mm-hmm. And 
there is a uh, so every other game, the nineteen other games would kind of have to fall a certain way, yeah, for uh, for this to occur, where you could have the regular season number one seed champion be ten and eight, and this the play in game on Thursday team be ten and eight. This will never happen, but there's nineteen things that you're have saying. To there's a chance, though. I'm telling you, <laughs> there's a chance. Seven teams could finish tied for the regular season title. I just think that's absurd. It, it right? just su- it sums up why, despite everything, like you said, with based on everything we've seen from Valpo over the last month, do do we think that they're they're gonna go four and zero or or even three and one? No. Do we think they're gonna make a run in the conference tournament? I mean, based on what I've seen, no, probably not. But you can't rule anything out just because of how nutty this conference is. And talking to Matt Loddick yesterday, which we're gonna get into talking to him in a little bit, you know, because it's just it's something that occurred. Um, <laughs> He uh, he said, I feel like we can go on a run. He did say that. And Ryan yeah. Fizikas said, I feel like we can go on a run. Yeah, I, I don't think they're, they are they haven't packed it in or no, anything. No, and, 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 and that's, I guess, what I, what I want to get into. We had a chance to sit down with Matt Loddick yesterday, and I, I said I was going to go scorched earth, and, and it's not that I, I, I'm not attacking the fans because they've got a right to be pissed off, right? They've sure. lost, Valpo's lost seven of eight games. Yeah. I sometimes think that people get pissed off about the wrong things, though. Do you think Matt Loddick is making excuses right now? Um, a little bit. You yeah, so? a little bit. I mean, I think it's the same thing that every coach does, is and and players as well. You know, I I think at the press conference, Dion Lavender, you know, didn't want to make excuses. He says we just gotta we just gotta um get it together and and you know I don't know just play harder and just just fight through this. And then I ask, I asked some question like basically to Lodic about how if morale is higher because, you know, if they had just lost seven of eight because they're not a good team, you would think that would kind of crush them, right? Whereas it's pretty correlated with injuries. Does that at least help instill some hope in the team? And he said, well, that sounds like an excuse. But then later on, we've heard so many times from, from him and from I, probably from players at some point, I can't remember off the top of my head, like, it's it's very hard to fight through these injuries. You know, I mean, it's true. I don't think that necessarily makes it an excuse, but it's not like, I mean, you can't, I, at the same time, within the same conversation, uh, Lodic or whoever else will say, well, we're not making excuses. We've just got to play better. And then we'll reference the injuries and it's really hard. It's really hard. Yeah. I agree. I, I agree. I don't think, I don't think making excuses is inherently, I get why it's, you know, it could be bad for the culture of the program. I don't think in this case, I think it's just, a fact. I'm seeing a lot of rumblings that Lodic is not taking responsibility for the team's struggles, and he's being criticized quite a bit. I mean, we we're getting to the point now where we're a pruder level breaking down film of press conferences to critique yeah. body yeah. language and all of that. And I just think it's. I get people are pissed, right? Here's the thing that just irate makes me irate. Irates me. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> Why on earth are people messaging saying we got to get rid of Lodic and bring back Bryce Drew? Like they think <laughs> this is a real possibility. Are you kidding me? Sounds like the old uh, like NCAA 2K whatever video yeah, games. Yeah, it's just no. Nah, yeah, I don't. I don't think. Uh, I, I I don't think like you know whether Lodic is taking respons- taking enough responsibility or not. I don't know, but. My brain. This this wasn't the year where they were supposed to be one of the top two or three teams in NBC either. Right last year, yeah, and brought back basically the same team. Yeah, and I and and look, I'm guilty of it as anybody else because I I I got on the podcast with Todd Eichau at the beginning of the year and we went player by player and said this guy's going to be great, this guy's going to have a breakout, Malik McMillan's going to be all conference, you know, all of this stuff, and and really. You know, we've maybe inflated the thoughts of around this team. This was a last place team last year in the conference. It's true. Yeah, uh, Ken Palm had, if you believe in that, uh, and I know Matt Loddick doesn't necessarily, had them rated at 132 in the country entering the season. And you look at the MVC, and uh, the top rated team, I think, is, is Loyola at 125. So, I mean, if they had played up to what the computers expected, then they would be right in it. Uh, at the, you know, also, I mean, I think some of the drop Valpo currently ranks two thirteen. A lot of that, no doubt, is due to this recent stretch where I think just injuries have clearly been a huge, a huge consideration, a huge part of it. But at the same time, uh, before the 
Uh, so entering the Bradley game, I think that's the one that Fizikas got hurt in, right? They were 184, so they'd already dropped 52 spots compared to the preseason expectations. Uh, the Ken Palm preseason ratings are not everything. So I, I do think that they have underperformed a little bit. I mean, it's not like they were great in the non-conference portion of the season. But at the same time, I still think they're going to be good next year. I think you look yeah. at the you look at the roster they're going to have next year, and it could be the it could be the best team in the MVC. That's definitely possible. It should be in the top two or three teams. So I I just don't think uh, I think certainly if I were a fan I would be frustrated. I would be disappointed because when you're five and one in the league, you don't expect then to be fighting to stay out of the play-in game. But yeah, it's just the the part that gets me, and the part that it's just I really really struggle with is, um, you know, uh, look when Bryce Drew left. They offered the job to Roger Powell, right? Yeah. I mean, they, they they went after Roger because they wanted consistency. Mark Mark LaBarbera has talked about the Butler way in terms of you you yeah, promote yeah. an assistant and and you and you go with that, right? Um, and they went for Roger Powell, and Roger said, oh, "Let me get back to you." And then he was on a plane to Vanderbilt, yeah. and you know, so they moved to the next guy on the list. And their next guy on the list was they wanted Matt Loddick, and and they wanted Luke Gore to be kind of his number two as a, a program guy who's been here for a long time. Luke Gore wants to be a head coach someday, and and maybe here, maybe you know, but that. They, they they saw a guy with a good pedigree, basketball pedigree, a lot of professional experience, and, and they and they put him in that position. And the first year he got dealt a, a terrible blow by losing Jabril Atacoya for the entire for most of the season. The second year, you know, they, they go for the kind of the 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 qu- not quick fix, but they go with the what Valpo's done, they get transfers, they get Bakari Evelyn, and then they get a Joe Burton, a guy who should yeah. be really good. And uh, and he looked like he was going to be really good, and the guy had no interest in going to class. The guy had zero interest in fulfilling that aspect of being a student athlete. And I don't know how much you get to pick up on that as a coach when you are going through the recruiting process, but their season was torpedoed last year mm-hmm. by the fact that their star was ineligible for conference play. Yeah. And you finally get to this year where you've you know you've built something together, and uh, and everyone gets hurt. Everyone gets yeah. hurt. <laughs> no I, it, yeah. excuse or no, if you don't. Oh, I don't Ryan think Fizikas, whether they're making excuses matters at all. That's the thing. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, their their best player was out for a key portion of the season. Right when he was becoming their yeah. best player. Yeah, he That's, said he said yesterday that he got to the point where he thought every shot was going in. Every shot, yeah. and he was shooting the ball like that. He wasn't doing that in the early season. No, and he was on fire. You know, and and they're they're four and zero, and and they're doing well, and they go to Loyola, and they get they get disposed of pretty easily. And there was even a thought in that situation if if Valpo had Vizikas, that would have been a different game. And and you know, the each day that he was out, kind of put more pressure on him to sure. be amazing when he came back. Yeah. But this whole concept of this is not the right guy to lead the program because you know he. They keep a lot of things in house, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we we so when we met with him yesterday, right? It was kind of a surreal meeting. <laughs> yeah, we want to go into everything, <laughs> but let's just say that I didn't see a guy that. I mean, this team has not packed it in, right? No, no, and, I don't think so. And I didn't see a guy that looked ill-equipped to run the program. No, and I mean they're not. Like they're losing the last three games, they lost by a combined fifteen points. But like we're not talking about a team like Vanderbilt that's zero right. thirteen, zero thirteen in their league. Uh, they're six and eight in the league. They're you know the last like I said the last their losses have been mostly close. They're not they're not just getting blown off the court by these teams that they should be you know comparable to talent wise. Yeah, they're they're not playing well, but I think it's important to look at the big picture and note that. I, I just don't see the program as being in some like crisis situation right now, personally. I, I think, I mean, yeah, they wish that they had a better record than they did, and, and I think if they stayed healthy, they would, and maybe even despite the injuries, maybe, maybe they should. They probably should have won at least one of those two overtime games at home, but I, I just, I don't see them, they, like, they clearly haven't packed it in. The, I don't think there's really an issue in terms of, it's not a glaring issue in terms of the spirit of the team, really. And they're going to have a very talented team next year, uh, and and I I think a run in the conference tournament, like we said, when the t- when the conference is so grouped together, it's just it's you can't rule it out yet. Uh, crazy crazier things have happened. The part that bothers me is the idea that let's get rid of him and let's just bring back Bryce Drew. Nah, yeah, I, I don't think that. I mean, number one, it's I don't think that's I don't think Bryce Drew is going to be out at the end of this year. 
Uh, and, and number two, I mean, it's just like, I, I just don't think, uh, you don't fire a coach after three years unless it's a complete disaster. And this is not even close to a disaster. Not They're trending upward. <laughs> They're trending upward. They are. I mean, you know, they finished in last place last year. And they're, they are trending upward. They've, they've competed. I mean, they're, they, they have fought hard in every one of these games. And they're just not there at the moment. Yeah, but it, there's nothing that indicates. Like, it's not like you look at the roster and you're like, this is not an MVC roster. This isn't a roster that can compete. Like, yeah, they... It, They've had some tough breaks, and they, you know, maybe don't have. I haven't had the killer instinct that you would hope for, for sure. But I don't think there's an issue with building the roster. Really, I think they've they've got a good enough roster. It's not like they don't have any players. I still think they can go four and zero in these last four games. Whether or not they yeah, will, I, think they I still could. think they can, and I think that they can make a deep run in the conference tournament. Yeah, and because I think they've got a coach who's demanding of yeah. them. I think they've got. I, I thought a really nice moment too was uh, Ryan Fazekas yesterday when he was going deep into his injury. He talked about uh, about how Todd Townsend kept leaving the court to go back to see yeah. him in the uh, the locker room um, to kind of keep him updated on the game during that Bradley game and uh, and you, you see kind of a these guys are playing for for each other right yeah in a way that I don't think I saw last year and in a way that has you know even the year before that when when there was kind of uh, the upperclassmen on the team and you know kind of everybody else and it's just uh, it's this this I, I it's just and maybe I haven't even like expressed the scorched earthness as much as I want to, but I just think it's absurd to call for a guy's head when this is what has been put out there because they're like two or three possessions away right, yeah. <laughs> from being like nine and four. No, yeah, it's, it's I know crazy. that they're I know they're at least one possession away from being five and nine because you've taken yeah. away that gold or three pointer. But it you know, every one of these losses I look I mean, they got blitzed at Loyola, no question. And that game at Indiana State was about as and that might even have been worse than the Loyola game. The game at home against Drake it's that was a competitive game. I know they lost by eleven, but that, it was uh, like a one or two possession game. And for you most of the and way. you don't have Smiths in that game, which you find right. out. Yeah, everybody late. was out, and Golder <laughs> is out. So Missouri State, yeah, should have won that game. Lose by one in overtime. You were winning with five seconds left, and the guy got fouled because two freshmen made a mistake and left Soroy on an island, and that's what happened. The game at Evansville, up big in that game. Mm-hmm. And Evansville just kind of, you know, you're on the road, tough environment, never been successful there, haven't won there in decades. You beat Illinois State. You had the Loyola game won. You probably should have beat Indiana State. You probably should have beat Drake. Now, why are these things happening? That's got to get fixed. But I don't know that the coach is supposed to go in and say, my players are, I mean, is that supposed to, can I swear? <laughs> I did. Yeah, that's you know? fun. But I don't, I don't know that the coach is supposed to go in and throw his players you know what's he supposed? No, to no, do? you don't want to pull a Kevin Stallings and, no. and throw your players under the bus because that, that's not good. And is no. the coach supposed to go in and say I didn't come up with a good game plan? That sounds like coach speak to me. It it's just I don't I don't know the answer. My my last thought would be that Paul, you look at the program right now, and what do you think is the best asset that they have for the future? It's Javon Freeman Liberty, yeah, without right? Question. Do without you really want to like if you made some crazy coaching move, which they're not going to do? Uh, but if fans want this to happen. Do you think Javon Freeman Liberty Liberty would would stay? No. Maybe, but but I, I I mean, there's a great chance that he would leave, and and that other players could leave as well. Daniel Sackey, I don't know. I mean, uh, Derek Smith's probably in that situation. You know, he's graduating, so you wouldn't have to sit out a year. Yeah, this is this is silly because it's not going to happen. But my point is. <laughs> You you've got a future like potential MVC player of the year on your team, uh, who is is playing a lot as a freshman and playing well, but he's not the most consistent player in the world because he's he's eighteen nineteen years old. I just don't think uh, there's just nothing about the season that makes me think that uh, Matt Lodick would be in any sort of like I mean just I think he's doing fine. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> there's a couple of pieces that could get moved around the board after this year is done in could regards be. to the roster, and and we and and again, people have alluded because I've said things on here. They're like, "Oh, he knows something." I don't know anything. No, you yeah. know, like, but Smiths could go. Smiths has had a good. If he season. wanted to, he could. He's a. Yeah. He could be a grad transfer. He could go somewhere. You know, I'm sure any of these juniors, you know, that that have a chance to graduate. Bakari's been in college for four years now. I'm sure he could graduate and probably go somewhere. Um, you know, that to me. You have Fazekas back next year. You have Aaron Gordon and Nick Robinson coming in. Yep. And if you have 
um, you know, Soroya and Smits or one of those two come back. Because imagine if you just had one of them and they didn't, you know, that they were the guy. Maybe they would, maybe that would inflate them. I don't know. It, well, I mean, I, I you would, you then, I mean, you still have, you still have McMillan like probably then if, yeah. if one of them leaves. Uh, I mean, I, I just think their roster looks pretty promising for next year. And, uh, and, and I think so, if you if you blow it up after the third year, that's, you're you blowing can't do that. it up. No, yeah, the other thing then is you get a bad rep- reputation with which coaches with coaches who you want to try to hire in the future. It just you you do not you do not fire a coach after three years or fewer unless it's just a complete disaster. And this isn't even close to that. And this is the second year in the conference. Valpo's second year yeah. in the Horizon <laughs> League. They went five and thirteen. Right, it was the worst year ever. But you know, sometimes that first year in a league. You get to a you know Valpo went nine and nine and 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 made the a postseason tournament in that first year in the Horizon mm-hmm. League and then they regressed a little bit and by the third year they were ten and eight and by the fourth year they were they were competing um, they were twelve and six and then by year five they started winning conference championships all the time. Mm-hmm. If you get rid of a coach now, you're you're torpedoing everything. Right? Yes. Yeah. Now you know maybe you bring in the right guy, but even the right guy, these players are going to scamper. It'll take another three years. Yeah. And I saw somebody made a post on the Valpo message board that said that, you know, do you want to, do you want to have four years of work for one postseason of gratification? Isn't that kind of the mid-major model a little bit? You know, yeah. for a lot of these mm-hmm. mid-major programs that have been very successful, that have, you know, you you look at what wins. It's seniors. And uh, it's. I don't think it would have to be one year of gratification anyway. That's Javon Freeman Liberty's sophomore year. He's got two more years after yeah. that, assuming he doesn't. You know, I don't think I don't see him really uh, as somebody who's going to leave early. So uh, I, I I don't think it is even even if number one, yeah, I agree that that is just kind of how it works for a lot of mid majors. But number two, I, I it's not like they're going to be great next year and then go back to being under five hundred. I don't so, think that's I don't think that's the case. Like Loyola is probably going to take a nosedive after this year a little bit. I mean, they've yeah. got a couple young, good players, but you lose Towns, you lose Custer. You know, this Cooper Kafis is, is good, but, I mean, who's, you know, you're going to you're just going to see some teams that are just going to kind of like, you know, you build and build and build, and then those guys leave. Look well, at Valpo, who had Peters and yep. Koy and all that, and then they, you know, you, you kind of regress. It's just kind of the nature of what happens. And Valpo, you know, is showing some glimpses this year, and I think the glimpses are what's making it all the more frustrating for people. Sure, yeah. And you know, I think next year has been what we, what people have been pointing to for a long time. And anything yeah. that happened this year seemed to me it was going to be a bonus. Yes, yes, yeah. I mean, you can even look at Loyola. Yeah, they're sixteen and eleven right now, and I mean, even this year, you know, they went to the freaking Final Four, and they if they don't win the conference tournament, they may not even be in the NIT. That like that's a possibility. So they I, won't be in the end. Well, right. no. They, I mean, that whoever finishes in first place, right? Uh, I'm just wondering. Yeah. I don't know if they'll get but, an at large to the NIT or not. No, yeah, no, probably nobody, not. Nobody in this conference will. As a matter of fact, I think whoever wins Arch Madness is probably a 15 seed right now. Maybe a 14. Just I think Drake on, could get to 14, but no higher than that. Yeah, based on maybe league reputation, if that even matters. If there's any kind of subjective quality. I think the Valley might get up to a 14, but I, with the exception of Loyola or Drake, I don't think there's a team in this league that gets higher than a 15. And then, you know, it's probably one and done in, in the NCAA yep. tournament unless something absurd happens. I think Missouri State could have the ability to junk it up quite a bit for a team in, in, in the NCAA tournament. But sure. even then, you know, I think if, like, I think the dream matchup for the Valley is – if you could get Mark, if you could draw like Marquette, that would be a good one. Marquette if they get all the way up to a two, would, if Marquette could get to a two, and uh, and and Missouri, I think that would be like a dream matchup. Yeah, I think I think honestly, I think Tennessee wouldn't be. I mean, I just think we saw last year against Loyola. This they're just not that. Van, this is your Vanderbilt. It is a little bit. It is a little in. bit. But at the same time, like that team is just not that. They don't. They do not have overwhelming talent. No, so. I agree with you. I agree with you. Matter of fact, Admiral Schofield, I think it is. Yeah. their guy. He uh, Valpo was heavy on him. Really. I actually huh? saw. Here's another interesting one that we'll we'll end with here. Kyle Guy, the guy at Virginia. Yeah, yeah, is really really good. Apparently he uh, he was at the arc. I've I've heard about this later. He was at the arc and uh, and kind of was was 
given the cold shoulder after the game. I don't know if Valpo lost the game and they kind of forgot they had a recruit here, but uh, I mean, obviously he ended up going to Virginia. So yeah. it's kind of a fun story there. So, um, look, I, I just I, maybe patience is the word to go with here, but I, I, th- I think so. I mean, I don't. What, what's your what's your? I'm going to put you on the spot. What's your prediction for the last four games? What seed do you think they're going to end up getting? I think Valpo beats Southern Illinois, loses at Northern Iowa, beats Bradley, and beats Evansville. I think yep. they go three and one, and I think they lose the tiebreaker for the sixth seed, and they, they, so they're going to be the seventh seed. That's yeah. what I would say. I think I also think that they'll be the seventh seed. I think I'm not feeling this Southern Illinois game tomorrow night. I think I think that's going to be a loss. Uh, I you know I, I feel pretty good about their ability to beat Evansville at home. Uh, they'll be motivated certainly senior night and uh, and. Uh, I think I think yeah I, I just think double figures yeah I I, I think Illinois. after after. Against Southern, Southern Illinois. Illinois, okay, I wow. Think De- I think Deion Lavender continues his stretch of hot play. <laughs> I'm look. I'm here for the narrative. I'm here for. I'm here for the manufactured storyline that yeah. Deion Lavender played with these guys and is going to have like an amazing game. Yeah, and I think we're going to see the reemergence of Marcus Golder against Southern Illinois. Mm-hmm. I think. I think. Everything that's gone wrong is going to go right against Southern Illinois. This is. Uh, I think if they win that game, then they'll be three and one. I think I can see them getting one of the Northern Iowa and Bradley games. I'm not sure which one. I mean, those teams are very similar in terms of quality. So it's hard for me to pick between those. Maybe I would lean toward Bradley, but I mean, I think if they beat Southern Illinois, they have a good chance to go three and one. And in that, if they do go three and one, I think that they will stay out of the seven, seven. To yeah, 10. I think I think there's uh, these tiebreakers against the bottom teams in the league. That's true. They don't go their way. Yeah, in Valpo's favor. So, um, Robbie, thank you very much for being here. I don't know that I was as fired up as I thought I was going to be. <laughs> uh, and, and you know, I, but again, I just think, I think it's. It's just absurd to think that they would fire the coach after a third year, and any uh, yeah, brain power spent in that landscape, I just think is uh, is just not it's not there right now. Even if like it's just not going to happen, regardless. So yeah, I, I think it's a waste of time for anybody to Mark be uh, fired thinking about that. One coach in his time at Valpo, and it was a football coach who called for seventy four screen passes in a game <laughs> against Butler, and. Uh, you know, since Butler won't play Valpo in basketball, I don't think you're going to see that occur. I don't so. think so either. All right, Robbie, thank you very much. Valpo Southern Illinois on Wednesday, and then a, uh, a key road contest. I mean, they're all key at this point. At Northern Iowa on Saturday, 7 p.m., and uh, we'll be back next week to break down the last two games. And maybe next week we'll be calling for the head of Matt Lodick. Who knows? We'll see what happens in the next two games. Take care, everybody. Thanks for listening.